Coming up, the number one fantasy book podcast, breaking down the scrolls and spells of nerd culture. We're Phantology. You may have heard of us. Going through a hellish game type environment to overthrow a society that is oppressing them. If you were to do a one sentence summary like you just did, you would be describing the Hunger Games, which is one of the more popular YA books of time. Yeah, I would say this book is a hodgepodge of a lot of YA and dystopian books. Hunger Games, maybe the most so, but it's almost some Harry Potter in the way that they're sorted into houses. It's some Percy Jackson with all of the mythology. But I do think that it's more of the sum of its parts. Here we go, listeners of Phantology Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Now, if you like the content we're putting out, look us up on social media. You can find us at Phantology Books on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even Reddit, all the social platforms. And if you'd like to chat more, you can join our Discord server. Find the pinned tweet on our Twitter account and hop in on the server and discuss about whatever you'd like to talk about. Now, here we go for today's episode. I have Ben and Josh on the line with me again today. This is Steven, and we're going to be reviewing Red Rising by Pierce Brown. This is the first book of a trilogy, and it came out a few years ago to some really strong reviews. A lot of people have read it and had a lot of positive things to say about it. Josh and I read it a little bit ago, and Ben actually just finished. So we're going to try to recap for ourselves, and we're going to let Ben weigh in as our, as our resident expert, so to say. How's it going, guys? Good. Going really well. Happy to be here, Stephen. All right. So, Ben, since you remember the series best, give us a little bit of a – let's not do any spoilers yet. Give us a little bit of a – maybe a recap of some non-spoiler things. What did you like? What did you didn't like? Just get the conversation started for us. Sure. And um, I don't know the series best. I know the the book best. So I guess just so you know, it's impossible for me to spoil things in other books read them. So I really liked the pacing of the book. I thought that things moved really quickly. Premises, you have this lowly 16-year-old miner who kind of mines the substance that is supposed to allow society to function. Isn't it like helium-3? It's an isotope? Yeah. And, and so it's supposed to terraform the planet or something? Yeah. yeah. So he's supposed to mine the substance that will allow future generations to come and populate Mars. And conditions are terrible. And about a quarter of the way through the book, he discovers that in actuality, Mars is already populated, that it has been for like 500 years, that he's been lied to his whole life, and that this organization called the Society um, kind of dictates everything and it's his mission now to take down the society and so the way he does and so kind of the rest of the book is is him trying to start doing so okay so so there's our premise now you you mentioned that the action moves really quickly i thought that was one of the strong points for me it was hard to put down the book i would say maybe the first 20 to 30 percent is a little slow with a lot of the the events that you just described happening that are not super interesting but once you get through that, there's a switch that gets flipped. And from then on, it's really fun. And I had a hard time putting down the book at all. Yeah, the beginning of the book really kind of sets the expectation for the rest of the book that it, it gives the character motive, I guess, in the first few chapters of the book. It makes it 
so that he's ready to do whatever it takes to get his form of justice. And so it gives a good foundation, although it moves a little bit slow. Honestly, I thought the way that it did that was a little clunky. It just divided the book into two separate pieces. There wasn't a whole lot of overlap between the two pieces, even though there needed to be for the larger plot. And I think that gets fleshed out more in the rest of the trilogy. But as far as this book goes, honestly, for me, the first half of it, or maybe the first third, was boring, not that interesting, and then the rest was awesome. You know, I'm going to actually push back on that. I think I actually have the reverse opinion. I really resonated with the first part of the book, and I, I don't want to get into spoil, spoilers yet, but I thought that, that characters were um, really well-defined for that, for that part of the book, and that some pretty heart-wrenching events happened that really made me relate to characters well. And then in the second part of the book, it introduced so many different characters and motivations that I had a harder time keeping them all straight. And it was, it required, it was more taxing to read um, than kind of the first part of the book. So I think that the first part of the book is more focused on character and the second part of the book is more focused on plot and action-y things happening. Is that fair? That's fair, but there are a couple of characters like Cassius and Mustang that are introduced in the second half of the book that are huge for the rest of the trilogy and you just get them through the action. But I thought the characters that was set up, you know, the, the way that the action set up the characters was really strong. I didn't really care about any of the characters <laughs> in the second half of the book. None at all. Who did you care about? Okay. So this is my main criticism for the book and um, I'll keep it spoiler free, but this is the reason why I haven't read the second, third, and are they coming out with the fourth? Oh, you haven't read any of the sequels? No, no, I didn't. I oh, was not compelled to. I, see. I, I, I was not compelled that. to go on, and I will because I want to continue doing these episodes, and I've heard good things about the second and third, but th- this was meant to be a character-focused book, I feel like, and I didn't connect to Darrow. I didn't really like any of the second or third characters, third level characters you didn't care for cassius or mustang no not really because i i didn't feel like i knew any of their motivations their motivations well i i won't keep it we'll keep it spoiler free for now but i didn't care about any of the characters motivations i feel like daro um was just a james bond type guy that could do whatever and always you know was perfect and i didn't connect to him and for being a character focused book because you just follow him. You don't really get viewpoints of other characters, right? And so I feel like it needed to make me care about him, and I didn't. So, yes, I agree with you, Josh, but I think we need to get into our spoiler section more before we actually break that down. And before we do that, we need to get into our customary content warning. So, Ben, do you want to start us off there? Yeah, so very high content warning for um, violence. I would say this is probably the second most violently like violent book that I've ever read, second to the first law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. Give us um, uh, give, it, give us a blow by blow. What can we expect? So there is, I don't know if you're um, familiar with the movie of Twenty Seven Hours, where a character or it's a, based on a true story, but somebody is pinned underneath a rock and they have to kind of hack their own arm off. What's the Benghazi movie? Isn't it a similar title? 13 Hours. 13 Hours. Okay, 13 Hours 13, and 27 something. Hours. Sure. Well, 
I don't know, but there's a scene that's very that's that's very similar to that in this book. So, and there's also themes of cannibalism explored. Um, just yeah, it was it was gruesome. So, I don't remember all of that being on camera as much. Like you don't ever see cannibalism happening. I I read it and I don't remember being super taken aback. Maybe I'm just completely blind to violence at this point because i'm ruined but (laughs) i think that the thing that got me most um is the sexual violence in there there's a lot of they use rape as a form of manipulation and um so there's a pretty high trigger warning i feel like for that as well if you've had experiences with like sexual assault or rape in your life then uh there's that happens in this book um was there much else other sexual content in this book besides that nothing gratuitous in terms of language warning there were like in world swears that were combined with like light earth swears i think so like gory dam was in there a lot and that was kind of yeah so kind of uh, a combination of of in world and and earth world swearing here's a this is a break from our content warning but one criticism I had was I did not like the in-world language in this book. Not the, not the swears, just the way that he combined words together and he randomly capitalized the middle of words sometimes to make his own little language. And I thought it sounded archaic and, and weird, and I was not a fan. So I was going to ask, do you think that that is, in programming, sometimes we do camel casing. Do you think that it was kind of like, Referencing that and kind of saying, you know, 500 years from now, we're going to kind of be using coding practices in our speech. Come on, man. I don't want to think about camel casing. This is my time off work. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what I thought, Ben. I thought that that's what it was trying to do some meta analysis of where we're going to be in the next 500 years. But that was like the only thing that they did was make up words. And yeah, I had the, had the casing like, I never even thought about that. I just thought, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that he did the greatest job of putting us into the future because there were so many things like the focus on mythology that harkened back to very early Earth days. But the society had also advanced so far scientifically. I never really got a great explanation for for exactly where society was at. It was a little odd. I agree, which which is another yeah kind of criticism about this is that it's the setting. There were just way different settings throughout the book. And uh, the second setting that was explored with the so generally light spoilers is like the game setting, if you will. That was really well uh, created and you could experience it, but then it just totally took you out of all the other settings that had been created. Yeah, agreed. It seemed like it was almost just dystopian for the sake of being dystopian. He was writing the book and he wanted it to be dystopian. So therefore the settings were what they were. And there wasn't a, a real great reason for the, for why they were what they were. If that made any sense. Agreed. Yeah. So I think that if you are looking for a fast paced YA novel with a, a little bit of gory violence thrown in, then this is the book for you. I mean, it's, it has di- differing levels of intricacy that you can kind of try and get into and understand, but it also has a 
super BA main character that is just going to go kick some butt and and provide you with a really fun fun journey to go along with it. If you if you enjoy if you read like Hunger Games when you were in 12th grade or 10th grade and you loved it, then then you're going to like this book too. Yeah, and this book this book has appealed to a lot of people. A lot of people have read it, a lot of people like it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is a grad this is if Hunger Games was high school, this is college. Yeah. This is your graduation from Hunger Games into a little bit more adult. Kind of like the magicians as to Harry Potter, if you've read those. It's just a more adult, more serious take on a similar genre. Okay, so getting into spoilers, we've talked about some of these things, but let me just read a little blurb that I wrote up here. In the dystopian future, humanity has spread out across the solar system and terraformed planets. We have also split into caste systems based on colors. From the, from the magnificent golds to the lowly reds. Darrow is one, is one such red that lives on Mars, mining the dangerous depths of the planet. As the action starts, he learns that the golds have been lying to him, and the work they're doing to terraform, to terraform Mars is already complete. This knowledge comes at the price of his wife's life. Now set on vengeance, Darrow, is, it, Darrow infiltrates the gold training ground known as the Institute in order to take down the, the gold supremacy from the inside and break the chains that have bound his people. So I didn't really go into many, many details on the last part of the book, and I figured that's maybe where our conversation will pick up. So once, his, once Darrow's wife is killed, he undergoes this transformation process to be turned into a gold. This is kind of where the action picked up for me, but I don't know if it was my favorite thing. It happened kind of fast, and then all of a sudden, the character that you've been meeting in the first third of the book is completely different he's still the same guy but all of a sudden he's this perfect magnificent being it was almost similar to the witcher when yennefer gets transformed and she becomes sexy pretty much what happens to darrow here neither one was really my favorite yeah i agree i kind of the same thought i was like this is just it was like almost blatantly just like hey here's the process that we're going to make this person awesome and there's really no explanation for it other than this is something we and here's what i didn't understand so they make him into this perfect gold and they give him all this knowledge and they say you're gonna now be this paragon of virtue and then he meets the golds at the institute who have all been born into this and should have all this background knowledge and they're all just these awful corrupt terrible people and so is it it's somewhat of a political statement. I feel like it's, it's trying to get at, but I don't understand. I mean, is the fact that Darrow has been raised a red, is that really an explanation for why he is the only morally non-corrupt person? Well, I don't think he, I think that he realizes as part of his journey through, through the Institute or whatever, that there are other people that become his friends and that he can't really look at as just some evil goal anymore. So I think that, I don't know if I agree with you that they're all evil and corrupted, but certainly most of them are. Well, and I think that the whole premise of the book is that the golds also almost keep themselves in servitude and the fact that they put themselves through this uh, game that, really breaks them down and makes them all equally morally bankrupt. You know, they all become murderers. They all become killers. They all become 
ruthless and do whatever it takes. And so it puts them all, it lowers them all to the same standard. Yeah, I thought that was a super actually smart take on it was that this, that the goals are putting themselves through this harrowing experience um, because they don't want to be like Rome and get comfortable in their power. They need to have this um, humbling experience. That was, I mean, props, props to the book for, for kind of creating that. Um, I thought that was a, that was really cool. So the Institute was my favorite part. Sounds like Ben didn't enjoy it quite as much, but essentially it's like the capture the flag game that I always wanted to play in scout camp, but was never able to because I was never actually able to, you know, have weapons and, and, and fight <laughs> really like that's not allowed, but here it is. And it was really fun. I, I mean, yeah, people are, people are being injured and, and some are being killed, but <laughs> and cannibalized and raped and tortured. But we're following, you know, Darrow, we're following Darrow. He's a good guy. He's, he's winning the game. I, okay it just seemed really fun so here's my problem is that i kept waiting for the institute to end i never i never thought it was going to be the whole book i thought he was going to go back out get out of the institute and go back to that go back and try and get his uh sponsor and all of that and the plot was going to move along so i just kept thinking the institute would end any chapter now and it never did it was just that was the book the remainder of the book and so I think that's why it bothered me. I, I don't know why you thought the plot was going to progress like that. I, I was always pretty clear on the fact that, hey, this book is probably going to end when the Institute ends and the other books are going to explain what happens afterwards. Well, the beginning of the book sets up a promise of we're going to have Darrow injured. He's going to get vengeance on the golds. How's he going to do it? He's going to infiltrate the Institute. We never really got a resolution for the, the initial conflict that it sets up. So I don't know. Maybe that was my bad. Maybe I set inappropriate expectations for myself and it messed up the pacing of the book for me, but that's what happened on my read through. So No, I think that's fair. And that's one thing that we've taken Sanderson's little lecture series. That's one thing he talks about is setting up a promise at the beginning of your book and then fulfilling on that. And I think that's a fair criticism to say that this book didn't do it. However, the series does. So if that was your hang up, I think as you read more, your expectations will eventually be fulfilled. Cool. So one thing that I struggled with was the viewpoint. So this book is written in first person, right? You, so it's from Darrow's perspective. And I think that that gives Darrow some huge plot armor, as does any first person narrated book, I think. Because you know that he's writing this or he's relating this story, so he's not going to die. I don't know. What do, what do you guys think about that? Well, there's not very many characters that kill. There's not very many books that actually kill their main character. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Not not every <laughs> book is A Song of Ice and Fire, right? <laughs> King of the North. I, I, I agree, Ben. I wouldn't say I had an issue of it with it so much as the plot armor, as much as it was just... I always struggle to get into first person whenever a book is written in first person. It just takes me a while. It takes me like half the book. And by then I've already kind of decided that I don't like it as much. Well, not even the first person, but it was first person present tense, which is doubly. I don't, I don't mind for first person. I love name of the wind. I like Dresden, both are first person. I think it, not every author does first person. Great, but I think it can be written really well. So I like it when it's good. But present tense, present tense, I, 
no, I never like it. I don't understand the draw for it. This is why I stopped reading the N.K. Jemison series, The Broken Earth, because the present tense thing was just too much for me. So I, I do not understand what present tense brings to the writing. Someone please tweet at us. Tell me what is well, great about present tense. I well, hate it. You know what was great about present tense, Stephen? Is the Hunger Games sold a ton of copies of books. Okay. So maybe that, maybe the Hunger Games has brought present, present tense to everyone. So seriously, that's, I think that's what it is. I think that, that this book was like, we're going to go for the Hunger Game, Games audience and the Hunger Games audience likes present tense, first person present. Well, so is it just a hallmark of YA? Present tense means if you're going to write a YA series, which this series kind of is, but maybe, it only, maybe we only think it's YA because of the present tense. Well, I think present tense, along with the fact that it's following a young adult, you know, going through a hellish game type environment to overthrow a society that is oppressing them. Yeah, it's very, it's, if you were to do a one sentence summary like you just did, you would be describing The Hunger Games, which is one of the more popular YA books of time, right? Yeah, I would say this book is a hodgepodge of a lot of YA and dystopian books. Hunger Games, maybe the most so, but it's almost some Harry Potter in the way that they're sorted into houses. It's some Percy Jackson with all of the mythology. It's some um, Divergent with the with the class systems. It's yeah. but but I do think that it's more of the sum of its parts, and that it takes all those things and creates its own thing. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. And just because it has tropes doesn't mean it's bad. You know, I I think that it, for what it was, I I can see why people like it. I didn't like it as much, but I can see why people do. Yeah. Do you think you will like the rest of the series more if I promise you that it does eventually fulfill on the promise on the setup at the beginning of the book and it changes settings and the characters get fleshed out more? Yeah. Yeah. I think I will. I I, I think, okay. So I've been reading a lot of Stephen King lately. I've read Gunslinger. I've read most of his uh, critically acclaimed works and Stephen King is a master at creating characters his books don't have many characters, but the characters that he has are, um, you understand them, you don't always like them, you hardly ever love them, but you understand them. And you understand all their motives and you understand why they do the things that they do. And um, I just feel like for a book that should have been so character focused because of its narration style um, and because it focused so much on Darrow, that when I didn't love and connect with the character that it fell flat for me. So I hope if the other books can rectify that problem, then I have a problem with the story and the setting and all of that. I want that to continue, but I need more character work and better character work. Ben, you said you liked the characters at the beginning. Yeah. You know, I really, I think I really liked Darrow pre gold. Um, I mean, his motivation motivations were just to try and get sugar for his wife you know what i mean like that is a pretty like noble like try and win the laurel to get sugar for his family and he's going to be the best hell driver that there is you know is that something you can relate to (laughs) Uh, i could yeah i could relate to that so one thing that i didn't understand was how darrow became impossibly genius like when he goes to become transformed to gold, the way he that that he like convinces, oh, what's the guy's name, Mickey or somebody, 
whoever yeah, transforms yeah mickey and dancer are the two sons of aries that set him up there Mickey's yeah the, the carver guy he like convinces the carver guy that he's a genius by like solving this rubik's cube type puzzle super quickly like how does what like just because he has super good reflexes and is a hell driver doesn't mean he's like this genius also like the way that he convinces dancer that he's legit is by figuring out that out of two cards they're both the same card so he eats one like that to me is a pretty simple test and doesn't take a genius compared to like this rubik's cube type impossible game that does require genius like there's just like some type of disconnect for me there on why he's like the best gold it just felt a little lazy with stuff like that like oh we're just going to tell you that he's a genius with this hand wavy type thing yeah i don't remember the exact details i do remember that they downloaded essentially downloaded to him a bunch of knowledge in the process of making him a gold and that made him very smart or he was able to recall all of this this old knowledge but the whole time throughout his time in the institute he was supposed to be at a disadvantage because he hadn't been raised to gold but in fact that was a huge advantage for him and led to him eventually winning the whole thing right yeah and i think that i don't think them downloading the information made him a genius i think that was just so that he would understand like the things that a normal gold would understand but then he goes and like scores like he only misses one question out of hundreds of questions and so he has like the quality control people like until i don't know it just seems very like a weird way for the character to to go he's a bit of a mary sue yeah yeah if you have problems with how smart quoth is in name of the wind you're not gonna you're gonna have the same problems here okay so we're gonna we're gonna keep this one fairly short since this was a shorter book and let's go into our worst of the best segment so we'll start with josh since I know he's eager to point out more, more, more problems with the book. Tell us, uh, tell us the one thing that put a damper on, a, on an especially good part of the book for you. So my worst of the best was came at the very end of the book when after they storm Mount Olympus and kick butt and take names and do all that. And then I was just so disappointed that he became a lancer for the Ark Governor Augustus. I don't know why. I just feel like he didn't actually grow as a character by accepting that offer. I feel like he just uh, did what he would have done at the very beginning of the book. Like he was always trying to get that and he didn't change and he just accepted it. But wasn't he just accepting that so he could further infiltrate the society and, and take him down? Yeah. And so maybe this is why I need to read the other books. But for me, it just felt like um, he should have learned a different or a better way to infiltrate the society and take them down. You know, like yeah, he just spent this the- entire book leading these troops and gathering this army full of misfits. And now he's just going to, he d- it didn't feel like he learned anything from that. He just, didn't. I think that there are kind of two paths set before him. Path one was like the theme of something new was, was kind of harped on. Like I'm something new. I'm something new. I'm something you haven't. And so path one was, I'm not going to accept anybody's patronage and I'm just going to be something new. Like I'm going right. to take on yeah. society on my own terms. And then path two was, I'm going to do what Dancer expects me to and get in cozy with people that are high up and, and follow that path. And so you definitely took option two, okay. which Thanks. I think is a fair criticism. Th- Thanks, Ben. But that scene was pretty epic. 
with yeah. with him taking down Mount Olympus. That was that was great. That was great. Awesome. I think the the issue you have more more than the character, Josh, is just the fact that the plot didn't write itself another great option. He had to accept the patronage because otherwise, what was he going to do? Right. Well, like Ben there said, like he could have really he could have said, "I'm going to form my own." I, I'm forgetting most of the the in world stuff, but he could have formed his own. Well, what I was kind of hoping for, yeah, kind of, I think what Josh is getting at is that, like, he okay boomers like everybody and takes like this Generation Z and like rises up and like just conquers people using his army. Come on, this is like a this is a small group of young golds on Mars. There's a whole solar system with millions of people out there. I think that is a little unrealistic. Oh, well, not that not that, that he takes his little group and overcomes everyone, but if he's like okay, we're going to become like the elite task force of like Marines type thing. And we're going to do our own. I don't know. Like there's just so many cool ways it could have gone and it didn't. It just stuck with what they said was going to happen from the very beginning. I really hope you guys like the next two books because I do think that the next two books do a good job of bringing back a lot of the same elements that made the first book successful, but changing the formula. I think sometimes with these types of books, you have the first book be super successful because you have the really popular school type setting. And then the author doesn't know where to go from there. But the next two books have similar types of conflicts, but in different settings with different stakes and the stakes continue to, to raise and get higher and higher. So I, I think from our conversation we had today, you guys will like the next two, but we'll see what happens. Okay. So my worst of the best. So I thought that one of the more intriguing parts of the book were between um darrow and the jackal i thought it was intriguing because they never met each other until like the climax slash falling accident of the book and yet there was still some like palpable tension but the part that i did not like was how it was revealed to darrow slash the audience that mustang was the jackal's twin sister first of all i'm not gonna say like I called it cause I didn't know it would be like exactly his twin sister, but I knew like it was pretty clear and should have been to Darrow that there's some type of relationship between the characters. Um, and so the fact that like this genius person needed like his pa- patron to tell him that was kind of weird. And the fact that that knowledge was given apart and away from either the Jackal or Mustang kind of made it lose its shock value. I thought that he'd need to learn that information in front of one of those characters so that he could have a visceral reaction and maybe do something he regretted or something, something else should have happened besides him learning apart, learning that information away from either of those characters and then having it be immediately resolved for him with Mustang bringing the Jackal back and loyalty. So there could have been a more dramatic reveal that then led to further conflicts. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, my worst, the best. I already told you I didn't really like the naming, the naming very much. I, I like the name Mustang quite a lot, but does it say in this name? Does it say in this book that her actual name is Virginia? Yeah, that's like a grandma name. Come on, <laughs> what type of name is that for the strong, independent, beautiful woman that is in this book? Mm, didn't like it. Didn't love it. It should Fair surprise enough. no one if you've listened to podcasts before to know that I'm, I'm a fan of of the uh the love interest any any good looking independent love interest is someone i'm gonna root for uh, classic okay so thanks for listening thanks for tuning in 
This is our review of Red Rising by Pierce Brown. And it sounds like Ben and Josh are going to continue going through the series. And I'm happy to hop back on and, and review a little bit more. And until next time, see you guys later. <laughs>